0: You're listening to the Sonic Ninjas podcast. Follow us on Instagram at the Sonic Ninjas and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sonic
1: Ninjas. All right. All right. We are live again on Facebook. How are you doing there, Bradley Dean?
0: Up everybody on Facebook land. I'm good. How about you, Eddie Kaipo?
1: Good, man. Good. Let me turn you up a little bit and then um, you have me a little nervous for a moment. I'm not going to lie. Not to put you out on not to call you out in front of everybody. But, and well, he was
0: about to have a heart attack.
1: I was about to have a heart attack because man. He was like, Hold on man, I'm almost there. I'm having a little dinner and you know I'll be ready in a second. And it's like, we're live in five minutes, dude. What are you doing? Can we check? Make sure Zoom is working? Make sure there are no issues. So, like, yeah, I'll be right there. <laughs> I guess you trust me that much.
0: What you wouldn't want me to fall over in the middle of a
1: good story? No, I would not want that at all. I, I would want you to be, you know, in full capacity, yes, sir. Before I forget, the music that you heard earlier is by a good friend, Jeff Subro. He's the guitar player for Enrique Iglesias, and that's the music from his project, Petrito. So thank you, Jeff, for letting us use your music And uh, while we do the Sonic Ninjas episode four. I love that, Jeff. Isn't it pretty cool? He does really cool stuff, man. It's, everything that we're working on there's a new mix that I just finished that we I'm probably gonna start using also for episode five, maybe. Who knows? Didn't ask me to play bass. He didn't ask you. You know what? He played. He played some of it. Yeah. Well. You should, Come on, Jeff. Yeah, you know, bust his balls. You should
0: get this twelve string out and lay some bass tracks down for you, buddy.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's and co- I'll turn your
0: guitar up even louder than the next time we do a live show.
1: Oh, so it's like that. Oh, you know. <laughs> I well, said you know. You know how it is. All, uh, we got uh, a few people joining us. Uh, we, let's give them a second to get a few more, hopefully. Leonardo's there. Bruce. We got VJ, Shirley. Brad Divins That's- joined, too. Were you adding? See, I'm almost counting you as one of them.
0: Why did you add me?
1: That's my aunt, Aunt Shirley. Yeah. No, but you joined, too, apparently. That's good. So now we have one more person watching, including you. <laughs> so if oh. I join, then we'll have ten open up the window so I can
0: see the questions.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, That's where we are. So uh, I was watching you earlier. You were doing this uh, Zoom, uh, I mean, get together or like uh, round table, if you will, uh, with uh, some really cool people, mixers, and and it was part of an Eventide event or something like that. You want to tell us a little bit about that?
0: Uh, who's also the bass player for uh, Cindy Lopper. That's when I, how I met him.
1: He's oh, the right one that on.
0: orchestrated the thing and asked me if I would do it. And of course it's, you know, all about in the box mixing. And of course all the guys that I'm on the Zoom call with are all, you know, hotshot record mixers and here I am, front of house guy. And, you know, I mixed a few things, but it was yeah. still cool to do. I was glad that he asked me.
1: Yeah, I was watching it was pretty cool, man. Everybody you know it, it, you know with what we do is i always like the fact that everybody has their own view on things you know we don't all have to agree on everything but we all have a a, a different way of accomplishing things everybody was sharing what they use on mixbus and uh, on one of their mixes and how do they approach mixing things or how uh, what do they ask their clients when to send them the files you know uh, what yeah. the protocol was for each of them Including yourself, and you know, when you receive a file before you mix it, all those things that come in play that are very important, I think, with what we do, you know, to save us time and to also uh, uh, make us focus more on mixing instead of just fixing things, organizing tracks, and you know,
0: exactly spend the time mixing the tracks,
1: yeah, and on and, you know, focusing on the music. Uh, one thing that you guys brought up that was really cool, and that you know, I'm a you know. Fan of is, is templates, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool, very useful for everybody. Uh, very. You encouraged
0: only, me to make a template.
1: I did, and and I know you you have one now, and and, and I think and it always yeah. evolves because we always keep trying different things, right? We alter yeah. our templates. Uh, exactly. I just think it's pretty cool because it allows us to save time, and one one of the guys, I don't know if it was a. a JG, right? Or or uh, who's, who said it's like having an assistant, but mm-hmm. in the computer, because now you don't have to wait for everything to be set. You just have your template you just go and you start you just assign drums to your drum bus, bass to your bass bus. And then all of a sudden, everything starts becoming yeah. a mix, you know,
0: and you're like 90% of the way there.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of times. Uh, you know, that's what I do. I mean, I'm, I've been able to Lately, at least in the last few years, to make songs fairly quickly and still keep my clients happy. And, and uh, uh, you know, it, it's just another way of doing it. I used to be the kind of guy who would know I have to start from scratch every song. And I, I grew out of that pretty quickly because there's no need to, you know.
0: Right. <clears throat> we spent enough times in clubs starting from scratch.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think that... Every day. Oh, remember those days, though?
0: I remember those days. I remember them well. And you know what? When I look back on it, it's it's kind of how you really hone your chops doing that. Walk into a venue and dial a mix in in what you know,
1: just a few minutes. An
0: hour, and then the band yeah. gets on stage and does a sound check, and
1: yeah, and then you're eyeballing it too. A lot of times we just eyeball it because there's no time to do anything. Yeah, no virtual sound check.
0: No, one day you're on a Midas, the next day you're on an SSL, the next day you're on a Soundcraft. It's like, oh, what do I got today? Okay, cool. <laughs> Line them up and let's go at
1: it. Yeah, but uh, you know, there's some, there was something about that that I think prepared us very well for to get to the point that we are now. I think I, I, I don't take any of that as as uh, something that was not beneficial. I think it was beneficial all the way. You know? Yeah. I just heard a beep. Was that you?
0: It was me. I don't know why that is because I thought Mm -hmm. I turned it off. But you know, I'm not very smart when it comes to these things. (laughs) Neither am I. (coughs) I gotta say, all this
1: (laughs) for all those companies that do this—you know, streaming and you know, voice, uh, you know, chats and video chat, all this stuff. Man, we can mix and we can do shows and and, and take care of like thousands of people and all this. All these demanding artists, and then we can barely get Zoom up and running. It's, it blows my mind sometimes that, you yep. know, I would I consider myself someone who's fairly qualified to troubleshoot things. And when I put my mind to, you know, to something, it's like, I'm going to do it. But man, something as simple as Zoom almost made me quit. <laughs> <laughs> and then Zoom, and then you got OBS, and you got you know i'm learning a little bit of graphic like whatever you know it's like it's just to do anything it's so more more complicated than what we do seems like
0: yeah everything went from live to streaming yeah matter of days
1: and and yeah. i know it's been done before it's just maybe we're more aware of it because now we have to do it or we we want to do this to to share things with people and everything but man i i wish there was a platform that was more like specialized for, for that, that the audio is high quality audio, and that video is easy, that it recognizes your camera, and that you do an upgrade, and it doesn't stop recognizing your camera, like things like that, like I was like Brad was saying earlier, I was about to have a heart attack, we're about to go live, and now Zoom wasn't recognizing my camera because they forced you to do an upgrade, and I'm like freaking out trying to get it up and running for you guys, but anyway Let's just say a couple hellos. Oh, wow, my mom joined. Mom, you're going to be bored. I'm going to warn you now. But I love you for joining. Thank you. Uh, We got Dan and Christian Hogan. Travis Shirley joined, too. Oh, wow. Travis Shirley. He just wants to hear us talk about plugins.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, Siri. Hey, Siri. I love it. Hoppy's here. Oh, Hoppy's here. Yeah. Then we got uh, Juan Felipe. Stanley's watching.
0: You know, Hoppy used to mix my band. He mixed us a couple of times.
1: Did you, did you kick monitors with him, too? Were you... In front of house. Oh, he, yeah. was
0: far, he was far away.
1: Oh, he was far away.
0: Yeah, he knew what he was doing. I didn't have to worry about him. <laughs> it was the other guy. <laughs> it was that
1: other guy. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. that other guy. You warned me about that. One of these days, in one of these episodes, we should play... Uh, There's an interview of you, of yours that I really want to play for people to see. When you start demanding your, your mirror and, you know.
0: You just leave that buried away.
1: <laughs> we just put it under the rug. Old stuff. Don't, don't, about don't talk about it. <laughs> no. We have to talk about that at some point. Because, dude, you, know, you were like a start. These people, I've witnessed this, by the way, for those who don't know this. What was the name of your band? Because you told me last time I completely mispronounced it. Rothschild. Rothschild. Okay. Okay, so Brad is mixing from the house for Enrique Iglesias, right? He's my partner in crime, my brother in arms. And I've seen people come over while we're on tour, people who are metalheads, you know, rockers, that nowhere in a million years will go see an Enrique show because it's not their style of music, you know? And they come with the CDs or cassettes or whatever, cause CDs, I guess, mostly photos,
0: yeah. and
1: they come to meet Brad, And they're waiting patiently to meet him, or they somehow make some kind of appointment with you, and then you kind of (laughs) bring him onto the bus. I don't remember that guy's name, but he was very charming, very nice, and he had a bunch of CDs.
0: He did, and we sat there for, like, what, an hour, and I think you recorded the whole thing.
1: You know what? I I hope I passed on those videos, because that was on my other phone, but... Yeah, I think I... It was in Texas somewhere. Yeah, and you were signing... Mm -hmm. He brought, like, a bunch of stuff, and you were signing things, and... He was, was very excited. Name. He knew a bunch of your concerts, right? That he went to. Yeah. Do you remember his name? I, I think hope. his name is Matt. Matt. I th- yeah, I think
0: his name is Matt.
1: Yeah, it was a cool thing. I, I got to say, I was uh, very uh, impressed and very proud to see that because I didn't know, I didn't know your band at the time because I guess when that was happening, I would, probably wasn't around. I was in, in Peru, not in the U.S. or maybe not even born gonna say
0: you might have been in diapers
1: huh? <laughs> maybe you're not that old that's okay it's okay right I don't know why it. your microphone keeps cutting out and I know it's not you I don't, I don't know, know if I'm doing is. something here but I don't think I'm doing anything everything seems normal here but one of those things that happens over the interwebs
0: yeah I don't know what it is but
1: have you still been been uh, recording? I know you were recording saxophone for a, for a band last week or something like that. You still doing that?
0: Yeah, still, still in the midst of it.
1: When when are you? Will you predict mixing? That's probably still far away, right?
0: A couple months away yet.
1: Oh yeah, that's got cool. Some,
0: gonna lay down some keyboards and some background vocals and some more guitar parts, more sax.
1: So one of the things we're talking now a little bit about. We kind of came back to the audio part a little bit. There's something that people have been asking since before, and is uh, how do we approach dealing with vocalists on all areas, right? So I'll start by asking you, you know, as as we start hopefully getting questions from people watching that, how do you deal with, you know, the, let's let's go with the technical aspect. What's your vocal chain usually? Uh, when you do in front of house, like are, are, are there different ways that you try depending on the type of vocals? What, what's your approach? Or what, what are you looking for usually? Or what do you try to clean up?
0: Well, I think I'm, I'm going to start. I always go with a channel strip because I want that all-in-one thing. I want the compression, the expander, EQ, high and low pass, all-in-one strip. And then I'm generally going to use some sort of dynamic EQ after that just to clean up, you know, based on, you know, proximity effect, just to take care of any, you know, they get on the mic, they're off the mic, they're waving the mic around, they stick it in the monitors, whatever's going on, that dynamic is going to take care of that. And then I'm just going to follow it up with some sort of compression, which is usually either 1176 or an Uh
1: LA-2A.
0: And that's kind of where I'm going to start every time. It's prop, it's likely going to be an SSL channel strip, and then this uh, what is it, Sonox, dynamic EQ, and then either 1176 or LA-2A. And that's generally going to take me where I need to be. If I have the luxury of putting a tape uh, plug in before that, then I'll go that way. If there's a lot of ambient noise going on. Maybe I'll, you know, use the PSE to try and clean it up. I've had luck using the expander portion of the channel strip to do the same sort of thing, and then of course just ride to VCA.
1: Yeah, because and at it, that point we're not trying to completely mute it because that will just create really ugly noises and switching noises, like on and off, and, exactly. and we'll never be able to get rid of the audience noise, anyways. Yep. So, what's and I- and what's your so you say what channel strip we're you using? I, I'm showing a picture right now, so if you want to elaborate on the channel strips and
0: I think it's universal audio. There it is.
1: The SSL yeah. channel, right?
0: SSL four K. Yep. And then I mean on these, I think this is Yeah, that's Enrique strip. And it's also Vila from him. When I worked with them, I used the same strip with him and then Shirley from Garbage. Same thing with her. <clears throat> and uh yeah, the tape machine as well. I like the tape machine in the beginning, the A eight hundred, just to give it a little bit of saturation and a little bit of crunch. Put that old school vibe in there. with the tape machine.
1: Yeah, I like that, and it doesn't. It actually does soften the transients a little bit. I would assume that it does, depending on the setting that you have it. Right.
0: Takes a digital out of analog and makes it more analog. Yeah. You know, takes a digital out of it. Plus, I like to watch the wheel spin.
1: <laughs> I should have. I should have put a video instead of a. Uh, Instead of right. the actual photo, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean those those are great plugins. I know I use the the, the tape machine one, the Studer uh, in the studio a bit, and then of course the eleven seventy the the blue eleven seventy six. Yeah, uh, the SSL channel strips is a must must have, of course. You know, um, Do you have pictures of yours. What's your go to? Oh, mine. Let's see. Oh. Let's see what mine, mine is. And um, why is
0: my mic cutting out?
1: I don't know. It's funny because we got two engineers and we can't figure that out.
0: Well, the funny thing is when I did the thing earlier on Zoom, it was it fine. It didn't,
1: yeah. I wonder if it's something in the settings that I have on my Zoom account, something, but I've been through all that for so long. It's like, um, All right, let me put my chain up there, I guess, to see um, what we got here. Um, these are not in any particular order. These are just, uh, plugins that I like using. Um, of course the, uh, SSL channel strip. Um, and this is mostly because it's what I may, what I have live. If I'm not traveling with my UAD stuff as well, you know? Uh, so SSL channel strip, the A 600 is my, like my. Active EQ, sort of like a multi-band compressor in a way, I guess. Um, so these bands that you see here are not uh, on on a fixed queue. Um, They're actually only only responding on those frequencies if necessary. For the most part, they remain flat. Anything else was done with the SSL EQ, and then I got a that uh, MACDS PDS or so, MacDiss PAE six hundred as well, the Omni Channel. The Shep's channel which is pretty awesome. Saturation, EQ, DSing, um, limiting. Um, and you can put those in any order you want. So th- that's a great, great plugin. You've got some presets on that too. I do have some presets on that one. So if, if you guys own uh, the Waves bundle or anything, or, or if you own this plugin in particular, you'll see that you know there's some presets that we have there. Um, then... Uh, Empirical Labs, that's pretty awesome. It's like a distressor. Um, it just has a very good quality for for compressing vocals and just giving them that grit sound, you know. Maggie Q, I mean, that's Plugin Alliance. It's it's you add that air band is and you're like,
0: man, that is a great <laughs> EQ. I love that EQ. Right. Yes, the air band is fantastic.
1: And I like, I like. It, that air sound I, I do you know maybe for something people might be too bright but I I like giving that to because I can get away with it since I'm not using wedges so I like yeah. giving that sound to uh, to the artists in their in-ears or to band members if, if something needs to have that air or when the background singers are going to sing and they're going to breathe into, I kind of want them to have that feeling of, of like almost like a studio mic so I don't yeah, mind adding air into the in-ears and because I'm using um, the PSM-1000s by sure, I haven't had any issues with with the high-end distorting when it transmits via, you know, the, uh, wireless. So no issues there. I know a lot of people worry about that part, but it's been very clean for me. Uh, and then the last one that I use is the dpr 42, which is uh, an emulation of the BSS compressor that also has a built-in de-esser and a limiter at the end of it. So it's, it's a, you know, that those are the ones that I play around with. Those are the ones that I use for the most part. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, we just, there's so many other tools as well. And, and, and every now and then when I'm assuming just like I do, you test some, some out and try different things and combine them in different ways. And depending on which vocal you're doing too, if it's a hard rock vocal, we might do something different. If it's like a pop vocal or it's a, you know, someone with those ballads, Right, I mean, what's your? Is there anything that you will do drastic if it was more of a rock drummer? or are you kind of a your approach is the same? A rock, a singer, I mean, or, or would you approach it the same?
0: No, I think I think my approach is going to be very similar because I'm a creature of habit and and I like to keep things simple. And I'm, you know, it comes from the analog days when you know, like we were talking earlier, we walk into a venue and you had a, you know. A, whatever, a Midas XL4 or a Heritage 3000 or a Yamaha 4K. And it's like, okay, what do I have to work with? And it's, you know, to me, it was just EQ and compression. And so even when I got into the digital world, just because I had all those things available to me, it's still, I didn't really find it necessary to go that way because a lot of times I'd find it just, it didn't make it better, it just made it different. And it wasn't really what I was looking to do. And plus. When you're dealing with a live vocalist that's you know as predictable as they can be sometimes there's times when they can be completely unpredictable and you don't know if they're going to sing or smoke or drink or stick their microphone in the wedge
1: yeah
0: they're irritated about something and you just you know at that point less is more is a great philosophy and ride the fader
1: yeah we got to keep an eye on them. i mean that we talked about this before On, on, on i guess on the last episode of that whole set it and forget it thing doesn't jive with us either. So it's like we gotta we have to ride that fader. Yes, we have compressors, yes, we have all these tools and stuff and multi you know multiband uh, uh, compression and everything. but it we still gotta watch it. we still gotta keep an eye on it and keep our hands on the fader, you know
0: yeah, because not all times is the live scenario the perfect you know the perfect scenario yeah. Aren't perfect and it's you know it's a live show you know i dealt with one singer in a band where i tried everything from the you know from i want to try this channel strip and i'm going to try this outboard eq and let's try this outboard compressor and let's try this microphone and finally i realized that it none of it mattered because i didn't know how he was going to perform so I just had to find something that I knew I could that I could have everywhere, and that would make sure that I could hear his vocal in the mix. And it really, at that point, wasn't about having the best gear; it's just a matter of making sure you could hear him.
1: Yeah. Of the music. To get that message out, to make sure they can hear the lyrics, and.
0: It would drive me crazy sometimes. Yeah. It's like I don't know what to do to get this vocal out. You and know. Sometimes can't push the microphone closer to the guy's mouth.
1: Well, we were talking about that, too. With, with, uh, the other day, I had another Zoom uh, meeting where a bunch of engineers we were talking about singers that just like to back away from their mic, just stay here. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, they're asking for more volume. And we're like, well, why don't you just get it a little closer, you know? and And... Part of the conversation a lot was like the, the, the politics of it, you know, how sensitive the subjects are. Some artists were like, no, this is how I sing. I've been singing like this forever, and I'm not changing it. You know, we pay a lot of money, deal with it, you know, figure <laughs> it out. And, and in many ways, they're, they're right. Like, that's for us to figure out how to make that work. That's their style and make it work. Um, I used to work for Julio Iglesias, which is Enrique's dad, and, and his microphone is by his waist. Like, it's literally by his waist, and 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 he makes it work, that's his vibe, that's what he does, and I'm not going to lie, it was very challenging to do it. I was, I was doing front of house at the time, but it's for us to figure it out. Uh, all these other singers that they were talking about, well, obviously, we're not going to mention names, but uh, sometimes they were just saying, you know, they will come up with a suggestion, you know, hey, maybe you should have the microphone a little closer to your man. And they were like, next. Like, Sometimes they don't even bother. They don't even care. They are like, no. Um, so, you know, that's the challenge. But that's what we're here for. We, we learn things. And one of the cool tricks that I remember that you did on your first day with us, which I always like to bring up because it's something that people ignore sometimes, When especially when there's a runway or we have any kind of sensitive mic, which we did at the time. Mm-hmm. It's that low pass thing. You know, a lot of people would think, oh, well, why would I want to cut all this range of high frequencies? Well, you're not going to use them. You're not going to perceive them, especially with a loud band. And yep. what is that thing that you do that we all love so much?
0: It's low to 10K on the channel strip. And
1: that That's just it. gets rid of that feedback or that very high feedback or potential feedback on the runway.
0: Yeah. I mean There's time drop it down or 8k maybe i've gone down as far as low as five or six depending but in the scheme of things you you can still hear top end
1: of course in the context of what the music is right
0: yeah that's it you're just not going to hear any screeching feedback which in the end of the day is what i'm after no feedback
1: yeah but but you managed to make it sound still like it sounds like a vocal like it doesn't sound muffled it doesn't sound you know it sounds normal
0: yeah well at 10k t- with a gradual slope like there is on the channel strip you yeah. still have you're still getting 12k and 14k in that in that mix yeah but it's very tapered off
1: i i, lo- I love that thing and i and i think it works in, in all scenarios too it, it i do it every now and then on certain vocals or back and vocals to kind of clean up a little bit of the noise and the air around them and then I just focus on giving them the air on their vocal instead of just having it all around their mix. Sometimes I can just trim that a little bit and then add it on their vocal just so they can hear themselves clearly, you know? Yep, exactly. Let's see if there's any any oh, questions. Oh, oh question. actually, what's, let me see. Uh, yeah, Chris is saying he's going to make a new template for sure. Then, hey, guys, uh, oh, do either of you have artist presets are available from any of these plugins and i think we mentioned something earlier yeah i, I have some on on the ships on channel on the bss dpr both are waves and then i also have on the uh there's a multi-band um uh, mac dsp compressor that is pretty amazing that allows you to change it's like a mix rack and you can change like you can put on 1176 to just be your high mid band you can put you know another SSL type compressor for your low mid band and you can change it it's a multi-band but you can change the components of where you want it to be so I have presets on that which is pretty cool what about you Bradley Dean
0: Uh, I have presets on uh, I think in the SSL bundle from Waves in the Omni channel and also H Reverb all of those are from Waves, and then I'm also working on presets for some of the Plug-In Alliance stuff now, as well. Which I'm—it's probably going to be like Shadow Hills, and I don't know, Digital V3, and probably some of the channel strips.
1: Our, our usual mix bus <laughs> processing, right? Yep. Yeah, but I've used your your H Reverb ones, and those are pretty good, man. Uh, your snare one, love it. Uh, Ryan John is here. Hey, Ryan, what's going on? What's up, Uh, Ryan? He's asking a question here. Let's see. Um, what analog tools outside of the desk did you love to use when you were on an analog desk? Do you still use them? Go ahead, Bradley Dean.
0: Nope.
1: Nope.
0: (laughs) I don't use anything. Other than what's with the console. And, uh, you know, I'm carrying the Universal Audio or the uh, Soundcraft Real-Time Rack. That's it. Yeah. I need to have everything that I can carry on a stick or an iLock or in that rack and then get the S6 everywhere I go. And that's that's what I use. I don't think there was ever anything in the analog (laughs) world that I used that I had to have all the time. You know, it always... Sure, it'd been great to carry a 480 all the time, but who's going to do that? Is it going to work every day? You know, so no, there's really nothing.
1: So you're all all digital all the time at this point, in the box.
0: box. Yep. And you know what? I like being in the box. I like knowing that everything is right there in front of me and there's no outboard gear to worry about. It's just all right there.
1: I agree. I I like that.
0: The real time rack works every single time you plug it in. So that thing is totally reliable.
1: I like I you? like being in the box too. I think it's it's the consistency, especially for for our artists, to be able to just maintain that consistency no matter where we go. You know, I I, I um I mean I don't know if it's nostalgia that makes me think, oh well, you know, I wish I had this analog thing. But you know what? Not really. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I kind of feel that uh, the benefits of going digital, of how we were able to automate all the plugins and 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 in the console, and in our case, you know, we're in an Avidess Excel, and we're able to do everything we want there, and it's for me, it's. I don't think I could go back. I think this is this is the way. I mean. I don't know, in my opinion, you know, I don't know, it didn't matter how good we were back in the day, how quick we were changing presets and programming, making program changes. And, and I, I, there was times where I used to redial the console on certain songs, completely change EQs and just like on a bunch of channels and besides levels and this and that, and then, and then put it all back. And, (laughs) and, and you get to a point that you can go as close as you can to where exactly where it was. But you know in your heart it was never exactly where it was. And no. now, you know, I can just do that with one button. And everything just goes boop. And then I just go boop and it's back to normal. You know? It's so I the luxury. A- What's that?
0: It's the luxury of having everything right there. Yeah. You know? I,
1: I, and, and again, we always go back to this. It allows us to focus in the music. You know? And just make sure that we're mixing it right and and the approach and everything so i think that's pretty cool thanks ryan for that question that's pretty cool um says in the house um what are your favorite plugins when you mix in the studio bradley dean since i'm asking the question on behalf of caesar
0: okay favorite plugins in the studio Channel Strips, I like Plug-In Alliance. I like the Focusrite. I like the Lindell 80 series. And I like the SSL stuff. Uh, I like the Slate stuff. I use the, what is it? What's the Reverb one by Slate? Some of the Virtual Bus Compressors are good. I just picked up the Rotary plugin from Eventide. And I was just experimenting with it earlier today. I put it on yeah. something and listened to it. That thing sounds killer. It emulates a Leslie cabinet. Oh, nice. So I can see me using that on something. Uh, McDSP. I guess he wants favorite plugins.
1: Yeah, you a Hill. bunch. Name, name your top three. Name your top three.
0: My top three. Shadow Hills, the Focusrite channel strip, And the digital V three from Brainworks.
1: Yeah, I mean we're really close. I got, yeah, I mean,
0: I, I got more than that. But
1: yeah, I mean, and for me, I'm gonna bore people by answering the same because we're we're very similar, I guess that way. Because digital V three is one of my favorites. Um, I like the thirty three six zero nine, the new thirty three six zero nine. I like that as well. Um, you know, all the SSL channel strips. Of course, the Omni channel is pretty awesome. So if I was to say three, I would say Omni Channel, the ML4000 by MacDSP, uh, and the Shadow Hills plugin lines. I think those will be my, my top three for sure.
0: Okay, so I have a question for you.
1: Okay. I told
0: you to use the Focusrite on a recent mix you did. Yeah. What what did you use it on and what did you think?
1: I, I put it on all the drums, and this is for another song that I'm mixing for Jeff. Was you know, this the music you heard at the beginning. Um, I put it on all the drums and I think I did uh guitars as well. It, it, it just blew my mind. Like, you know, normally we get used to a certain things and we just have our go to things. And like I said earlier with our templates, we don't want to waste time sometimes, but this, well, we've got nothing but time now, so I was like, <laughs> so I was like, you know talking to you, and we're like, oh, we should try this. I'm, I'm you already been using it, I'm like, let me try it out. Of course, like anything else that Play in lines it blew my mind. I was like, wow, okay. So, I definitely made some changes to my template now, of course, and, and they're included in there as well. So, they're... It's, it's pre- those are, that particular channel trip is pretty good. I've never gotten, had an opportunity to work with the actual console, but, man, if that's what the plug-in sounds like, I can only imagine, you know, because yeah. it sounds really good. It just, as soon as you move that knob, it's almost like it just feels right. Even though we're yeah. moving it with a mouse, I know, and I know it sounds almost ironic to say it that way, but it kind of felt, you can kind of hear it as you're moving it very clearly, you know? Yep. I don't know, It's a gr- I think it's great. Let's see. Uh, Salud Perú, Jorge Ceballos is good. Or is Henry, he said one word, Engelbert. I don't know if you saw that probably already.
0: I didn't see that. Cause I, I, when I worked with Jerry Harvey, he told me stories about Engelbert. Yeah. And they're very similar to your stories about Julio.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, they're definitely interesting characters. Um, you know, like I've told you before, I never had bad experiences but it was they were trial time for sure there were like some some interesting experiences that we went through you know during that time but it was another experience that i felt i feel prepared me for many other artists to come after that you know like any any other tough artist like nobody scares me after working there you know what i mean like it's one of those things that it prepares you you know just another experience that we we get to have yeah um uh, here's a question that could, I guess could be for both of us uh, from Stanley. Stanley Suarez, another great engineer, by the way. Stanley, for those who don't know him and are watching us, Stanley, you know, makes his Juanes. I believe he's done uh, uh, Sepultura. Uh, Megadeth. Megadeth. He did uh,
0: Devin Townsend as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, this guy is awesome. Anyway, uh, what is your approach for quiet singers on the stage? Um, maybe I'll start that one. So, that one, um, for me, a little bit of um, working with them as well, like the singers, like you got to be able to talk to them and kind of try at least to come to consensus of where you know how loud things should be and versus how loud everything around us should be as well. Because if it's a singer that seems really quiet, and on top of that maybe backs away from the mic, then we can't have a f- the band be incredibly loud. We have to kind of manage that as well. It's not just the singer. I think in order for us to help a singer, we kind of have to work with everybody, as well as from the house. Like, if we had a quiet singer, I would probably, if I was working with Brad with a quiet singer, I would probably discuss it with Brad and say, you know, what can we do? Should we try to maybe run the PA maybe two 3 dB to be quieter? And that might give me headroom to make sure he can hear himself and everybody can hear himself and whatever. We, we will find a way to make it still not jeopardize the show quality. Keep the singer happy. Um, definitely working with a singer directly makes a big difference. If you have access to that, working with them directly. Um, you know, it, it just comes down to, to also keeping that control in volume. You know, not everything has to be screaming loud. If it's with in-ears, it makes it easier. And I usually start with a vocal where the peak will be, where the loudest should be. And then I kind of bring everybody else around it. And then, you know, even though I'm writing the vocal to make sure that they can always be heard, they would always be heard, uh, then I'm mixing the band around around that singer. You know, yeah. that way you're not fighting it. That way you're not blowing their ears out either. You know, I think that's important to not keep bringing things up. Sometimes it doesn't matter what can you turn down to make room for that vocal, you know? Because they only tend to, from the inner point of view, from monitor's point of view, they tend to turn themselves up because the vocal might be loud enough, but everything else is just as loud. So in return, they just turn the pack a little more and now everything's even louder. So sometimes it's a matter of just turning things down, panning things, making sure that middle is just for, for the, the lead, for the singer, you know? That's from the monitor point of view. You know, how would you deal with it maybe for front of house, Brad?
0: For front, of, a friend of mine was trying to tell me to disable the gate on my vocal, but there's no gate on it. So I'm not sure yeah. exactly w- what's happening here. But I, it's, it is, it's really difficult to deal with a quiet singer. And I think you pretty much answered it. I mean, you have to, first you have to talk with the singer, you have to, you know, instill the confidence in them that you got, you got their back, maybe, you know, try and encourage them to give you a little bit more and, you know, mix the band around the vocalist, like you said. I mean, it, it comes down, I think, even getting as rid of all the instrumentation out of the center of the mix you know, panning things out of the center so you can just leave room for the main vocal.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's that's the best approach, like making room for it. Make room not trying to pile everything up on it because then you'll you'll lose. We'll lose that yeah. battle, you know.
0: And sometimes you can't always have the pristine audio quality of that vocalist that you would like to have because you're trying to make it loud. You have to, you might find yourself, you know, doing some unorthodox, you know, EQing, or I remember one singer I worked with, and he was very, very dynamic. And there were times where he would sing really quiet and the drummer's just pounding away and the band's just going. And sometimes I'd put a limiter on his vocal group or his vocal uh, input just to try and push the vocal up more when he was quiet and then do a lot of riding of the fader.
1: Yeah, or I, I used to do, uh, with Julio, I used to have, because he doesn't really like compression, uh, and I guess I'm outing myself now, but I used to have a group that was wide open, and another group with just his voice, that was completely squashed, and and with the output really loud, so when whenever he will get closer, which he will do every now and then, then the main mic, the regular one, the untouched mic, will be at the volume that he wanted it to be because he was controlling his volume. But then the other one was so compressed that it automatically would turn itself down, almost like ducking itself. But then when he will back away, then the the regular group would just fade away automatically because he's far from the mic, and the other one will just kick in, and you can hear him even when the mic was far away. So it was something that worked for me, but, you know... You know it it wasn't ideal but it worked you know it, it was one of those things we just had to try everything to try to keep keep that vocal on top and this was a front of house of course but sometimes we just gotta try what we could try you know
0: yeah sometimes you do unorthodox things yeah just to make the vocal get
1: heard and see who else uh, is there anything you you're reading there that is catching your attention there bradley dean
0: Oh, there's a pretty big question here from Dan Kenny. Yeah. Just calibrate my room, had a big bump from 50 to 150, and a huge dip at 250 to 300. Do you guys have the ears to hear that naturally when in a new environment, or do you use something to feel out the room? Or does it not matter live because you are hearing what you are hearing in the same environment? No need for it to translate to another environment. Well, when anytime there's apparent frequencies like those that are, you know, there's a problem there, you can hear it right away. And you have to deal with it, I think, on a night-to-night basis because every room is different. The one thing I don't do is tailor my mix to the PA or to the room. I tailor the room or the PA to my mix. So I'm always going to I'm going to deal with those problem frequencies because if I don't, then my mix is not going to translate. How about you?
1: Um, same. Like we can, I mean, answering to his question a little bit, he, you know, we can identify those frequencies. Like we walk into a room and we listen to it. And we go, Oh yeah, there's a lot of this. There's a lot of that. Right. We're going to need to take that out. And there are tools that we use like smart or whatever to analyze the PA and, 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 and create a certain curve. But the curve still, like Brad says, is done to the mix that we already know sounds a certain way. Because if we're going to start changing every input to match what the PA sounds like, if it has a bump, like you say, let's, for example, like you said, 50 to 150, and then a dip of 250 and 300, and then we start changing all our inputs to that, we're going to end up with a not a very great mix, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think, like Brad said, we tailor the PA, we, we we change those PA settings to make sure it matches the, the mix at that point. And you know what? Because it doesn't have to translate anywhere else, it needs to translate just at that venue at that point, which is why our point of reference will be his mix. So that way, wherever we go with his mix, we just adapt the PA for that room that day. Does that make sense? That that's, Yeah, it makes sense. Right? Yep. So that's a good question. Okay, we were just talking with Dan, uh, he was looking for speakers, and then and I go, hey, you know, check out Sonarworks, because that helped me a lot in my studio. And he and he goes, well, I'm getting this other program, which I'm not, I don't want to make a mistake on the name, but I think it was from maybe IK Multimedia. They have sort of like a, a acoustic uh, alignment program or something, you know. Um, and so he's he's that's probably why the question came about because he was able to analyze it now and and hear what and see what the room is doing right so so yeah i mean those the same way we do it in the studio we do it live as well you know we kind of try to eq a little bit of this knowing that uh now what we do in the channels will translate because what happened with me before my room was a little messy and that 150 to 200 for me 100 to 200 was really messy it was like muddy and it was making me kind of eq things not well. It was just my mixes were coming out a little brighter and, and, and I was notching too much of certain things. And then I will take it to a place and it will translate, which is kind of what he's talking about. So once I got that program and I calibrated my speakers like we will do a PA, now our mixes translate the proper way. Anyway, I'm, I'm ranting now. But um, let's see what else.
0: Okay. You're uh, allowed to rant. It's your show.
1: Right? It's our show. It's funny how we call it a show. Um, Let's see, Cesar, curious about reverbs being, that you guys deal with natural ambience all the time. So how do you deal with reverbs because we do arenas and stuff like that? So that's a great question.
0: Well, my philosophy on reverb is all I wanna do is put, I pretty much only put reverb on drums and maybe a little bit on vocals depending on the song. And on the drums, it's just going to be to maybe put them in a space and wetting them up a little bit. I don't really want to hear the reverb. I don't, I kind of like, because like you say, we're in a, you know, some rooms are more lively than others, but I have a setting and it's actually H Reverb. I think it's Snare 2 is the one I use all the time. And it's just, just puts a little bit of, Wetness on the drums. It's not anything too crazy. I don't think I've ever been in a room where I've really turned the drum reverb off. I might have turned the vocal reverb off because, you know, the vocals are just carrying away. But I'm more of a, you know, I like delay and a little bit of harmonizer and a tiniest bit of reverb on certain things. Like when I'm really singing the ballads is when I'll favor some reverb. But you do. Tailor it to the, the venue.
1: Yeah, same, same on monitors. I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, the room comes in play a little bit, but I can, as I mentioned before, I can get away with a little more because they're all in wearing headphones or in ears. I personally like to, you know, I usually have two two different revers on the drums, you know, one for snare, one for the toms. Um, and that changes also the length of those changes, if it's a ballad, then I make them a little longer and shorter, whatever, depending on what the song is. If it's a fast tempo, I shorten them. But um, I, I try, because they're wearing in-ears, and because they're all plugged up, I try to give them a sense of space. So what they're what they're hearing kind of reflects what they're seeing. Because if, if they're in an arena, and they're completely, everything's just bone dry, to me... Because I've I've had I've been able to be on stage as well. It would be boring. It would just be, and it wouldn't make sense because you 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 see this big space and everything sounds dry. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. So now I don't have to go to the extreme because maybe for some musicians they find it distracting or or they don't care or they want to hear really dry in order to or drier in order to just kind of follow the beat or whatever. And that's a preference at that point. You know. As a monitor engineer, i got to do whatever they want and whatever they need. But in general, for the people who want a full mix, I usually try to tailor it in a way where they get a sense of space. Even if the reverb is not there for them to hear it, at least it creates a certain uh, dimension, some kind of space in their in- ears. You ears know, That's that's how I try to approach it, at least from the monitor's point of view. You know, the, Either to create a, a, a space for them, or if it's an actual effect where you want it to sound like a nice big verb, that's different because now it's part of the, the song. But otherwise, I just use it to create a certain space so nothing's just dry. And there's, there's times where they go, a drummer could come in or, or a singer come in and say, oh, this sounds like there's a lot of reverb. And and because of the way we run, we're running things, you know, pre-fader and sometimes, or, or, or how we're feeding the, the reverbs, then, you know, I usually tell them, just wait till you're in context. Just wait till everybody's playing and tell me if you still feel that it's a lot of reverb. And and 99.9 times they say, you were right, leave it the way it is. Um, so, most of the changes that I make are always thinking in context. Never just with that instrument by itself. So, that's as far as reverbs go. Let's see... VJ was asking which focus right? It's the channel strip, right? Right? Plug-in alliance. Yeah, it's by Brain. Brainworks.
0: Ryan O'John actually answered. It. It's BX Console right? S C.
1: Yes, that's the one. Yep. Um What else? I
0: have a few more questions
1: here. Yeah. Go for it.
0: So Ryan O'John with another question here. Once your system is set up for you, how deep do you how deep do you get into tailoring the PA to your taste? Is there something you've trend to find fits your taste and mixes best? Uh, Yeah, I do tailor the PA for my taste uh, because I, if I, if I tailored a PA that when I listen to my reference music, which happens to be Pink Floyd, (laughs) I know what those songs sound like. And when, when the PA represents the that song then i know that i'm going to spin up my mix and it's going to be right there so yeah i always tailor the pa to my personal taste
1: and then with pink floyd
0: and with pink floyd yeah well i mean yeah it's
1: which we I talked think, about a lot on the well, last yeah, episode the,
0: it has to sound it it has to be pleasing to my ear you know i I've had systems be tuned where, you know, okay, it's tuned and it's right. But when I listen to it, it doesn't sound right to me. So I, you know, I tend to do things to try and, you know, smooth it out and make it to where I like the way it sounds because, you know, I'm the one that's going to mix on it.
1: Here's here's another one from Ray Pullen. Um, I guess this applies to monitors. So, um, how many live wedges? Inner mixes and what's on the drum mix console plugins? Is there a live uh, live and I am mix on the drums? Okay. Um, as far as inner mixes, um, we're running twenty four, and that includes band members, production, everybody. You know, stage managers, techs, and everything.
0: You get paid by the mix, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> per fader. <laughs> uh per snapshot. Um and on the drum mix no, we basically have no wedges, no side fills, at least with Enrique, no wedges, no side feels. Um the drummer has a, a thumper that is the is it Dave Porter maybe? Is that the brand? Um uh, no, Porter and huh? Porter and Davis, I think. Porter Davis, right? Yeah. Davis. I had the background. Okay, so Porter Davis. Uh is the, the green ones. Those are great. And so he just has a thumper um, every now and then, if for some reason we can't find one, but we normally travel with one, but if for some reason the gear didn't make it or something, I'll just give him a double eighteen or something. but most of the time, no speakers, just the the thumper and his mix, and his mix has as far as plugins, I believe you're asking uh mostly console and then whatever the plugins are that I already have on the uh, on the kit, which are probably s s l channel strips. Um, on my on my main mix on everybody's in ears, is usually you know. Shadow Hills, uh, Fatso, Digital V three, and I finish it with an ML four thousand. On some mixes, I have the the CLA mix down, um, and and the Digital V three and the ML four thousand. So that just kind of gives it that sort of, you know, mastered. Uh, kind of mix sound, you know, if you will, you know, try to kind of keep everything in check and glued together more of a mix instead of things just poking, poking through. Uh, Raul, what's going on? Raul, Otto, Otto Arias, production manager for J Balvin's here as well. What's going on? Um, Chris Holland, Drew Cagney, man, we got a lot of people that came visit us. Let's see. We do. Um, Hoppy has a question. Yeah, go for it. So,
0: do I prefer to mix from dead center or off axis? Uh, go for it. I play off axis every time because the last place I want to be is where the subs are summing up. So, it's always off axis for me. And the more off axis I am, then the more true, I think, true the sub bass response for the whole entire room is because now I'm not sitting in that hump. But obviously... I do try to work with the systems engineers to try and get that hump smoothed out so that the sub can be even all the way across the room, which sometimes isn't all that easy to do, but we do our best to make sure that it's even, but yeah, never in the center. And a lot of people don't understand. They're like, whoa, we set you up. We thought you wanted to be in the center. I'm like, no, you see that that thrust right there. And you see that barricade where there's nobody. I don't want to sit where there's nobody. I'm going to sit over here. And get out of where the, everything is summing up
1: yeah.
0: and it's just truer for me
1: yeah because then you get that huge bump on low end and then it kind of throws you oh. off and then it feels like if you move a little bit this way it feels then like you have no low end but it's not true that's because you got used to that sound yeah you know uh vj kumar is asking thoughts on a stereo monitor imx to better separate and isolate vocals instruments, yes, absolutely, 100% stereo. Um, you know, even if you're not making a stereo mix like a record mix or anything like that for, for your artist or for the musician, at least it gives you the opportunity to separate things. Um, I know there's some artists. Uh, you know, I know Pitbull does this very strongly. Like his things are all the way left. Enrique does something like that too on, on some things where he wants everything to one side, but so that's a, a scenario where we're not doing a stereo mix per se, but it's you using it to isolate things, uh, and then for the for the ones uh, who want a natural stereo mix, um, then yeah, it helps you make that room like we were saying earlier, make room for the vocal to be right in the middle, so you can have you know. If there's two guitar players, you know, one on each side a little bit, not all the way panned, but maybe, you know, 11 and 1, or 10 and 2, and then you can have some of the keyboards in stereo, and then back and vocal is panned, and then your vocal would always remain in the middle, and have plenty of room to 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 stand out, you know, so yes, absolutely, stereo mixes on IMs whenever possible. Uh... Let's see, Ryan John has another question here. Is there anything in particular that you do to blend electronic drums with live drums or really any electronic playback element mixed into with similar live elements?
0: Uh, Nothing, I don't do anything really fancy with uh, any of the electronic stuff or the track stuff. I mean, it's already pretty processed stuff coming from, you know, stems. So uh, the, opt- the, the goal there is to blend everything together so that you can hear everything. And, you know, there's there are electronic drums going on with the real drums at times. So I always want to make sure that if for any reason, you know, whether the electronic drums would go out, the real drums are still there, or if the real drums would go out, the, you know, electronic stuff is still there. You, you just want the balance to be... I don't know, kind of 50, 50. And obviously if there's a song that's featuring the electronic drums more then yeah, you're going to hear that a little bit more, but unless there's an issue with, with any of the electronic stuff, I tend to not treat it. It's just, I mean, it's, it's going to get treated in the, in the mix bus, but individual tracks aren't going to get treated. Drums are always treated. So it's just a matter of finding that right blend to where you just, you hear everything.
1: Yeah, and same, and same with any playback. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of finding that musical balance, right? Yeah, that's it. Always about the music, my friend.
0: I mean, I, I never found it all that difficult when I'm handed, you know, I don't know, four to six stereo stems of tracks with electronic drums and loops and synths and all kinds of stuff, and then I've got the real instruments, the real drums because to me it's all part of the big picture so i want to be able to hear all of it it's just i've never really had that issue with trying to figure out like why where where's things need to sit in the mix i just want them to sit so i can hear everything
1: yeah and that's something that that um I monitors at least for our approach or my approach when i'm doing mars is it's, it's the same I, again music and just try to mix it where, where you know, I don't want the monitor mix for someone in the inners to sound like a monitor mix. I kind of want it to sound like a mix. You know, because our when we used to do monitors before, when it was wedges and things, you know, it was like, you know, if a, there was a guitar player on stage right, his wedges, and he just wanted kick, snare, his guitar, and his vocal. Because he was kind of hearing everything else from everywhere else. So that's all they needed to kind of to function but if you know now that we have you know for the last many years now in years, and 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 artists and musicians are being more in tune with with what they want because they spend a lot of time in the studio then then I think it's, it's good to give them that that sound and that um, blend more of a musical blend so if there's live track, if there's tracks and then live instruments, you know, you don't want to just hear the track and just you just kind of want to have a blend of everything. Now, again, uh, you know, from the house, you find the blend and and you're working with that blend and you're doing what you do. On monitors, I've had cases where first time I'm working with a certain band or artist or whatever and then I have everybody dialed or pre-dialed and the drummer shows up and and... And the tech before they' saying, "Oh my God, this guy's gonna be so happy. His mix sounds so good." And then the drummer shows up and goes, "Take everything out. Just leave the click track, the click track, and and the lead vocal." I'm like, "Yeah, but how do you? What about? Just leave the click track, and and you you know we spent all this time dialing it up, fine tuning it, and it didn't matter because what they wanted was just click and the lead vocal." So at that point, we have to serve them. You know, we're we're we have to make sure that we give them what they want for them to perform you know at that point it's not a matter of a blend there anymore it's they just need to hear what they need to hear so. yep uh, all right so that's it for question for now but uh um so l- l- there was one thing uh, i i know we-, we cover a little bit of effects um as far as reverbs and things and i know you mentioned delays what's your usual go-to delay not necessarily a brand necessarily but more like the type of delay do you do ping pongs, mono stereo what's your no. cup of tea I
0: like a stereo delay and I'm generally going to go with the quarter notes or half notes you know depending on what's going on in the song what kind of tail is happening uh, that's yeah and maybe I'll high pass it a little bit you know sometimes I'll you know put a bit of you know Harmonizer on the delay, or distortion, or just something to mix it up a little bit every now and then.
1: Yeah, to change the character a little bit, of it, like So it's not so plain, right?
0: Sometimes you can filter the the delay really hard, filter it so it's you know a telephone effect kind of thing with the with the delay. I mean, my I only need four effects to do a show: uh, two reverbs, a delay, and a harmonizer. That's it. I don't need anything else. And you know what that comes from? That comes from the club days. Yeah. Where you didn't have anything. Yeah. Okay, I need drums for my reverb. I mean, I need reverb for my drums. I need another reverb for the vocals. Harmonizer's nice and delay. That's it.
1: Yeah, that's all we needed at that time.
0: Yeah. And I mean, if you had something extra, then that's a bonus.
1: You have you four know? comps, four gates, that's it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you had one reverb. And one delay and no harmonizer.
1: Yeah, but we we may do somehow, but now we have too many tools, I guess, sometimes. But I guess we, in moderation, I guess everything's okay, you know, as long as we're using it for the right reasons and and with a purpose.
0: I don't know about you, but I don't find myself going overboard with things just because I have them.
1: No, 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 I did at the beginning.
0: I could have effects if I wanted to. 10 stereo effects returns, but I don't need them. So I don't, what's the bother with them?
1: Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, me neither. But but I remember at the beginning of this whole thing with plugins and everything, you kind of, and once you discover that you can use them live, I was like, oh my God, let's just try it. And, and you know, it was a mistake in retrospect, but it was something that we learned. You know, <laughs> we just got to figure it out.
0: You learned that you didn't need eight plugins on a kick drum.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. So it was one of those things that, you know, Less is more, you know. But this time where I even put a plugin in for the texture that it does, like, of the emulation, I just run it through, and I'm not even doing anything to it.
0: Yeah, you just like the color that it gives. Yeah.
1: This time that I have, uh, you know, like a CLA-76, and maybe I'm not even compressing there, I'm compressing on the Omni channel or something, you know. But just going through that already kind of gives it a different character, different tone, so... A lot of times, it's about the colors, you know. Yeah. Not exactly. necessarily the processing. Um, let's see if there are any other any other questions. I think I think we're we're reaching that point, perhaps.
0: Raul's down at the bottom with the even sub coverage. Oh yeah. Yep.
1: Was that a even. comment? He would also comment on what you were talking about. I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's to me subs are the hardest thing to get to be even all the way the floor from one side to the other it's the hardest there's
1: thing there's always pockets though I find that even with the even with some of the best system engineers and everything and you walk around and as you take a few steps in certain directions there's pockets yeah I haven't seen even on the best sounding shows even on with the best people and everything there's I always find that and I don't blame anybody I just know that I feel that that's part of the technology that that you just can't, or we haven't reached that point where it's perfect. You know, it's, what's that?
0: It's almost perfect.
1: It is, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, it will have to, and I think the reason is because you're not necessarily in a in a controlled environment. It's different every day, right? That's if you were in the same
0: room every single day, then I think you would, could reach a point where you could, obviously. You could get the sound to be identical everywhere in the room.
1: If but you were in, the, in a control environment like that, like a, like a venue that is stationary, you know.
0: Yeah, but when you load in at eight AM and by and you have to have a sound check by three, and doors are at six, and shows at seven thirty or eight. Yeah. You, you know, you make the best of it. Do the best you can. And that's what you. That's where you go.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's one thing that is kind of cool when you do some of these uh, residencies and things like that, and like in Vegas, where they have a set, you know, PA and, and the stage, everything, and that's always there. You know, there's something to say about that. It kind of, you know, makes it a little easier, you know? Yep. Um, you know, it comes with other challenges, but for the most part, that consistency is there, you know? So that's kind of cool, you know? Something something to consider for... for um, for us, maybe one we'll do a That's residency. Something for Raul. What's that?
0: That's something for Raul.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, one of the
0: finest systems, systems techs that I've ever worked with.
1: We should take him with us. Where will we go?
0: He dials that JBL rig in, man. Oh, so nice. Durango, remember Durango? Hell yeah. Big VTX 25.2 rig. Man, that VTX
1: stuff sounds really good. Yeah, it it was definitely a, a game changer from from some of the stuff from prior releases. That it was like, once that came out, I was like, whoa, you know? Yep. You know, and
0: wait, 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 wait hear a twelve. That's yeah. a whole nother level.
1: Is that what we're using next, Brad?
0: Yes, when we go out on, in 2025.
1: <laughs> That's what we use. Right. That's what we we'll use, A12. I'm going to look like you. I'm going to have like all, I'm like, everything's I, growing, man. You know what?
0: I was going to trim it, but now I think I might just let it go until
1: we do a show. I'm rebelling because I waited over a month to get my, my hair clippers. And they finally showed up and they've been sitting there for two, three weeks now. And I'm like, man, eh, I'm not cutting it. But that's why I'm wearing a hat though, because if I let it out, it's like, woof. So, none of that. But anyway, we're getting to, to the end of this, Bradley Dean. I think we have some great quest- questions.
0: I think we did. Great, I like
1: the questions. Great participation.
0: You know, when people ask questions, it takes the pressure off of us to come up with topics to talk about.
1: That's true. So, Especially when, you, you know, we're five minutes out and you're still having dinner and you're like, come on, dude. Everything's going to be okay.
0: I know. And then look <laughs> at it. My mic cuts out.
1: And then your mic cuts out. I was like, uh oh, we have two engineers and one of the mics is cutting out. Okay. But I don't know who to blame for that. I don't know if the internets or Zoom or whatever. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out this streaming thing someday. I promise you.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Maybe we should put this out there that, you know, we have the Sonic Ninjas Facebook thing. People can always leave comments as to what topics they would like us to cover.
1: That's true. You yeah, know, give Instagram, us some ideas of things Instagram. you'd like us
0: to talk about that we haven't talked about.
1: Yeah, if there's anything specific that you guys want to hear, hit us up. Uh, Instagram is the Sonic Ninjas, and on Facebook is Sonic Ninjas. We had to change it up because someone already took the name, apparently, and they're trying but to sell it to us. And just, so we're rebelling as well, saying, no, we're not going to buy it off of you. So.
0: Not for $7,339. No, you can keep it. your
1: website we don't want a website. That's <laughs> where the Sonic
0: Yeah,
1: and they're like, "No, we're going to no, you're not. We're not falling for that, my friend." No, uh, we're not. Anyway, Bradley Dean, thank you again. Thanks for keeping me on my toes.
0: I promise that I won't take it down to the wire next week. Oof.
1: But uh, also uh thanks for everything, man, for sharing your knowledge as always. You're you're yeah. the man.
0: Did I think- my wife told me to make sure that I engage you more. I hope I did this time.
1: I, I think so. Or okay. well, was she like Was she like keeping you like, hey, you got to... <laughs> she said, you need to engage Eddie more. See, but I'm trying not to talk too much because then I start talking and then I won't stop. And then I won't let you talk. Because that's what happens sometimes. But anyway. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for, for watching, for joining us. You can watch us later, of course. And... Uh, Hit us up with any questions you may have and we'll address them next time. For sure. Until then. Until next time. Ciao.